All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to H2O. Uh, like Brian said, my name is Joe. I'm on staff with H2O. And so, like Brian said, we are um, concluding our series right now called How to Be Rich. And so this series is all about finances and how to connect faith with your finances um, and how you, through being generous, you can grow in joy. And this series has been really cool, really been impactful for me. And uh, the first week, Pastor Brian started us out um, in talking about a heart of generosity. And he said a few things that I wrote down. I'll just kind of recap for you some of the things he said. He said this, that being rich is a perceived reality. And so, especially he talked about how in America, you know, if you have a phone, if you have a car, if you have gone to college, you are actually in the top percentile of the wealthiest people in the world. And he talked about, too, how it is a per perceived reality. It's a perspective. Regardless of where you're at on the economic scale, you can always feel like, I could be making more. I could have more. But actually, you do have something. You have something to offer. You have something to give. And you are rich. And Brian also said that our finances and faith are not separate things. And you can see what you value by what you spend your money on. That really hit me really hard, looking at my um, account at the end of the month, seeing the things that I spend my money on. That communicates what we value. And then he concluded with saying, invest your life into what can make an eternal impact, the things that could impact and invest in the kingdom. And then last week, Pastor Pardee, he talked about um, specifically finances and money, and he said that if we start looking at what we don't have, we can become tight with our money. And he also said that your money communicates what you value, just like Brian said. And then he concluded with, the goal of the Christian is to make Jesus famous through our generosity. And so to conclude, what I'm going to talk about this week is I'm going to talk about generosity from a holistic perspective. I'm going to talk about generosity with your life, not just money, but through every aspect of your life and talk about specifically being generous with God and others. And when we think about, you know, money and finances, I think, you know, honestly, at times, if we really step back and think about it, money can't get you everything. You know, um, I, uh, I'm a history nerd, so just to share with you a little bit of my nerdiness, um, I'll come across on YouTube, I'll see a documentary, and most of the times I'm going to click on it, even if it's like 40 minutes or an hour, just because I'm like, oh, that's interesting, i got to learn about that. And um, this one time, a couple days ago, I was watching this documentary from Tom Brokaw called The Greatest Generation. And if you're not familiar, he wrote a book about that, and it was about the World War II generation. And he just talked about how they survived the Great Depression, how they went through World War II, and how when they came back and all the economic booms and their experiences through their lives. And he, throughout the story, um, Tom Brokaw will go to different families and interview them. And so he came across this man who, again, you know, Greatest Generation, Great Depression, World War II. And he, after World War II, he came back to the United States and he opened this lumber business that became very, very successful. And he became very wealthy. And uh, he, we, he talked to his children, um, the man's children, and they had everything they ever could want. They had boats, they had cars, they had these nice houses, they had, you know, golf courses, everything they ever wanted. And Brokaw was talking to them, and it was interesting because the kids had so much burden. They were baby boomers, they had so much burden, because um, they would say, man, my dad gave me everything I ever wanted, except one thing, his heart. I never felt like I heard my dad say, I'm proud of you. I never had a good relationship with dad. He worked really hard, paid for everything, but I never really, I missed that relationship. 
And so what these people were missing was that relationship with their father. You can't buy relationships. You can buy friends, yeah, with money. If you have a lot of money, if you, you, know, you can do that. But you can't really buy deep relationships. And along with that, too, there's some things that are even greater to receive than money. One of my favorite stories um, in the New Testament comes from the book of Acts. And um, in this story, it's the new church, and uh, Jane, or John and Peter, they're walking through this town, and they come across this beggar who's asking for money. And so this, this guy, he's on the ground, he's lame, and so he can't walk, and he asks Peter for money. And Peter says this, it says this in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. That's pretty cool. This guy was asking for money, but he actually got something way better. His life was completely changed. He experienced Jesus. And so true happiness, and what we believe as Christians, true happiness comes through relationship with Jesus and relationships with others who help us grow closer to him. And in reality, generosity is a lifestyle, and it flows from something. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 12. Um, in this story, this lawyer comes up to him, and he asked Jesus, like most lawyers, hey, what's the law? Which is, he, he, he said, which of the commandments of Moses, which of the Ten Commandments is the greatest? And Jesus said this in Matthew 12, verse 30. He said, first is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so what Jesus says is, the greatest commandment is this, love God, love people. That's the greatest commandment. And so our big idea and big theme with understanding generosity is this, that a lifestyle of generosity should flow from this. It should flow from love. A lifestyle of generosity should flow from our love for one another. Love is the greatest ingredient to generosity. Even the Apostle Paul, he was writing in one of his letters to one of the churches, and he said this about love. He said, if, if, if I gave everything I had to the poor and I sacrificed my body, but I don't have love, I've gained nothing. So regardless of our actions, if we don't have any love, Paul is saying it's nothing, it's useless. And so in our generosity, it should be found, the foundation should be love. And so you should give to your children because you love them. You should give to your family because you love them, friends because you love them, your church or the kingdom because you love God and you want to serve Him. And so, again, we need to know today that we don't need to just be generous with our finances, but our lives as well. We can all give our lives. You know, you may think, man, I don't have a lot of money, but you can give your life and be generous with that, and it can make a big difference. And so, the way we're going to talk about how you can be generous with your life, there's three ways that we're going to hit on today. They are your time, your talent, and your treasure. So we're going to talk about how you can live a generous life through giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. And understanding this will help us to grow in understanding how we can be rich and how we can be generous with what God has given us. So first is this. First is time. So what does it mean to be generous with your time? Well, I define it as this. Time is about priority. It's about making yourself available for relationships and for commitments in your life. You know, when I think about time, I think this is something that's a challenge, you know. Um, it used to be back in the day, you know, way before I was born, um, you would go to work and you would come home and your work would stay at work, right? 
Nowadays, your work follows you home in your pocket, and you can check your email nonstop, it, you know, with internet, with access to things. You are constantly on the clock now. And along with that, too, we are so distracted. You can watch an infinite amount of videos <laughs> at a fingertip, you know, infinite amount. And it is all available to you. You can download Fortnite. I've never played it, but you can download <laughs> Fortnite. And it's, apparently it's the greatest game out there, I don't know, but um, a lot of people are playing it. We are so strapped with time. And, you know, whether it's, you know, soccer games, practice, work, school, family priorities, whatever, working around the house, we are so busy. And we feel like, man, I don't have any control over my time. It just flies by. And um, a couple of us in the church were taking this uh, seminary class on Christian leadership, and one of the books we have to read, it talked about this idea of time. And the author said, um, he said, hey, just for a second, think about time. Step back from time for a second. You actually have time. You actually have time in your day. In fact, you have just as much time as the President of the United States in your day. We all have 24 hours in our day. The difference is, what do we do with that time? That challenged me. We have time available to us. We just have to do something about it. And, you know, when you look at the life of Jesus, he perfectly oriented his life around time. In fact, if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, um, we're going to see an example of how Jesus spent his time and oriented his time and his life. And so Luke chapter 6, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen as well. Starting in verse 12. So here's what it says. In those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he and his disciples um, and chose them. Wait, he called his disciples and chose them from the twelve whom he named apostles. And then it goes on to name them and skip down to verse seventeen. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with the crowd of his disciples. And great multitudes of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. So what we see happening here is we see Jesus organizing his life in two ways. Jesus made time for God and he made time for others. So Jesus made time for God. He first... He made time with the Father. And so for us, we need to make time for God and for others as well. And when you look at not just this story, there's countless examples where before Jesus does anything in ministry, he goes and he gets away with God the Father and he spends time with him. And so think about this. If Jesus is God in the flesh, if he's the Son of God and he spent time with God, how much more should we spend time with God the Father? We as mere mortals. We need to make time for God. And I know prayer, you know, it can be hard. Prayer can be a challenge. Um, some of us in this room may pray often, some occasionally, maybe some not at all. I know all of you pray maybe during exam season. You know, you need, need that extra help to get you through it. We need to make prayer a priority. And it's not just a thing to check off the list so God's like, oh good, he prayed today. Um, it is, what God wants is a relationship with you. God, God wants to know you, and, know, and, and God wants you to know him. And through prayer, we actually connect and grow closer with him. You know, um, 
so often, you know, I, I use this example how, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you only talk to them once a week, once a month, maybe once a year, that relationship is not going to be very deep, if you're honest. So in the same way with our relationship with God, if we only spend once a week, once a month, whatever, we're not actually growing in our walk with him. And so we need, if we want to do that, we need to make time because it has an impact on who you are. I know for me, I have to wake up you know, 15, 20 minutes early, whatever that is, and spend time with God. Because I know that's how, that orients my life throughout the day. Any major decision, me and my wife will sit down, we'll pray, we'll seek God's direction. Anything in our lives, big or small, we go to God and he gives us clarity. And any anxieties, any fears, or any, anything that we have, we take that to him and they don't seem as big when we go to him. And so we need to make time for prayer, just like Jesus did. And when you look at Jesus' life, he made time with the Father in order that he could better minister to those around him. So that's the second thing. Jesus spent time with others. And so in this passage, we saw that Jesus was hanging out with his disciples. And if you know the Gospels, he spent a lot of time with his disciples. They fished together. They hung out together. They did ministry together. They got into each other's lives. They spent time together. He taught them God's word. And he did that, and then they all reached out to lost people. They spent time sharing God's truth with those who needed to hear it in order that they could be a blessing. And so in the same way, we as Christians, we need to make time for those who can help us grow closer to Jesus. Um, if you've done the well, the well's our uh, discipleship program that we do in our church. And one of the things we talk about in the well is that your faith is a personal one, but never a private one. It's personal, but never private. And so you're personally growing, but you need to be in community as you're doing it. Because through community, that's how you truly grow. And along with that, too, God's given you a message, and you need to share that with others. You know, I think um, in our modern day, you know, we drive home from work. Many times, people's garages don't even have, uh, you don't even have to go outside your garage. You can just park your car, walk in the house, and you don't have to engage with anyone in your neighborhood. You know, I can walk into my apartment. I can just open the door and leave. I don't have to talk to anybody. But we need to be engaging with people. We need to be building relationships. Not to be weird, but just to get to know people and show them our love and share them the gospel. And this can be hard, and I think often because of lack of time, we can fall into isolation. And I know I struggle with this for sure. Just being worn down, I can be, a little, I can be more of an introvert, more task-oriented, and so I can get focused on what I'm doing and ignore the relationships around me. And an example of this, a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out with some friends, and uh, they were talking about um, how they struggle with this thing called FOMO. Have you ever heard of it? It's called fear of missing out. So if you, um, you know, see some friends, you know, a, po a picture of them on Facebook hanging out, um, you can feel like, man, I wish I was a part of that. I wish I was hanging out with them. Um, and I said to them, yeah, you know, I can kind of relate to that, but I have, like, the opposite problem. I have a fear of being included, you know. <laughs> I love you guys. It's great, you know, but, you know, I, I enjoy my alone time. You know, I was that kid in high school where my friends would say to me at the end of the day, Joe, you want to come hang out with us? And I'd be like, why? <laughs> we already spent like seven hours together at school. What more do we need to talk about? What more, what more do we need to do? I need to go home and play Madden or something. I don't know. Um, anyone else can relate to that? Am I the only person? Okay, good. Maybe we can all hang out or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But it's a challenge, and what I've, I've had to learn, and part of that's good, part of that's okay, we need, you know, you, it's our personalities, that's who we are, but we need people around us, and I, I've had to learn, I have to push myself out 
and build deep relationships with people because that's how I grow. I need that for my soul. And so feel free to invite me to stuff. I might come. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, like I said, we need deep relationships. Um, and some of us, too, maybe you're not on this scale, but maybe you're on the other side where you're surrounded by people, but nobody really knows you. And that's not good either. We need to make time for deep friendships because it's what helps us grow and become more and more like Jesus. And so, again, when you, when you look at Jesus' life, he made time for his, his relationship with the Father and others so he could use his talents. And the same way for us, we do those things so we can use our gifts. And so that's the second point. Um, we talked about time, now talents. And so talents can be defined as your experiences, your abilities, and your passions. And I think about this, that God has wired you, God has wired me for specific things. Um, and you know what those are, and so go do it. Use those gifts that God has given you. Paul encouraged the um, early Christians in the book of Romans to do this as well. And if you want to turn to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, um, Paul explains the gifts as well, and he says this, starting in verse 5. We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, um, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one with, who leads in his zeal, the one who has acts of mercy in his cheerfulness. So Paul you know, explains that we, need, we are the body of Christ. We have these different gifts that God has given us. And there's many more actually too. But we are called to use those gifts to bless each other and bless the world too. And, you know, I think this, is, this has been really cool for me. You know, I know there's just certain people over my years that I know I can call up and they're going to encourage me or God's going to speak some truth in them. Or, man, that person, they are just such a great servant and they, they, they are ready to serve. Or someone or over here, they can teach God's word really well. And that's awesome. And, and we need that in our lives. We need people who can help us. And also, you need to realize what are the things you're good at. And as you're walking with God, you're going to start to realize that as well. Now, here's the thing. With our talents, we should avoid two things. We should avoid fear, and we should avoid pride. So in our talents, we should avoid fear, and we should avoid pride. And here's what I mean by this. So first thing is fear. Um, there's certain times where we might fall into fear and shame and feeling like, I'm not good enough. There's no way I can contribute to you know, the family of God. There's no way that I have anything special to offer which that's not true. God made you uniquely. God wired you specifically. The Bible talks about how you are fearfully and wonderfully designed. You're special. God has made you special, so um, do something about it. And another thing, too, with fear, sometimes we can compare ourselves with others, and we can feel like, oh, man, I'm not good enough because look at that person. They're doing all these things, and they're way more successful. I'll never do that. Um, and that's a lie, too, because God made you uniquely for a purpose. You know, I fell into this um, trap recently um, in, a, in one of our seminary books. We're reading about this guy named Charles Spurgeon. And I don't know if you know anything about Spurgeon. I'll just say this. He was a beast. Like, he was just an insane human being. He was just um, an extremely gifted man of God. Um, he was a pastor of a church in the 1800s, and he started preaching at 17. 17. 
and his church grew to about 20,000 people. Now, th- this was before video venues, this was before cool worship pastors. Like, this, th- this guy just preached God's word, and people came and got saved, and it changed the city of London. And I'm like reading this, and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Holy <laughs> you know, what the heck is this? You know, and, you know, you start to compare. Um, and, and it was cool because through that, God was ministering to me. He's like, no, Joe, I made you for a purpose. I made you unique because we can get trapped in trying to find a formula to think, how can I become the super Christian when that's, you know, not good. At the end of the day, we all will stand before the throne of God. And at the end of the day, we'll all, we're all going to submit to Jesus. And, and he's given you gifts and talents and we don't need to compare ourselves with others, but just be who God made us to be, and he's going to use you for his purpose. And so that's, that's the first thing with uh, talents is fear. The other thing we can fall into is pride. And I would just say pride is an overappreciation of your gifts. This is arrogance. This is uh, self-seeking. This is a feeling of, man, I'm awesome. This is building up your own kingdom and not God's kingdom. And it's not the gospel. Pride is contrary to the gospel. Um, in fact, Satan fell because of pride, because of his talents, because he wanted to lead. But what we need to know is that in our talents, one, God gave us our talents, so we are submissive to him. And, and two, we need to be humble and trust him. You know, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We need to be humble and serve and use our giftings to bless others and the kingdom. You know, a story about humility. I have a good friend, some of you know him, um, Caleb Burlisle. And um, Caleb has been a part of our church uh, for a few years. Um, he recently went to move with his wife to Madison, Wisconsin, to help with a church plant out there. And um, when Caleb was a student here, um, we would hang out, and he would tell me, hey, Joe, you know, I'm a college student, and I'm poor. I don't have any money. I'm like, I know that. <laughs> um, and he's like, you know, I've been feeling like, you know, I can't really tithe financially because I don't have any money, but I've been feeling like I want to give to our church. And, you know, I'm pretty strong. I can lift heavy things. I don't mind waking up early. I would love to serve on production team. And I said, you go do that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and Caleb was one of our just best servants. He was always ready, available. Pro- production guys could share that too. You know, he'd wake up early move cold equipment, and just got our, you know, helped things get set up on our production team. Um, And when I look at Caleb's life, that's true humility. And that's someone who says, here's what I have to give, and I'm going to give it. And, you know, when our, our talents are really the easiest thing we can give because it's who we are, and it's bringing that to the table to help the kingdom. And so you need to figure out what are your talents, what are your giftings, and how can you use it? And then along with that, too, be humble. Because true humility is something we can all follow and model. And so, so we need to be generous with our time. We need to be generous with our treasure, our uh, talents. And then finally, treasure. So final thing is treasure. And I would define treasure as this includes all your possessions. This is money. This is car. This is house. This is valuables, food, anything in your life that is um, in your treasure. And when I think about treasure, um, this story about Jesus um, comes to mind. It's in John chapter 12. Um, and in this story, Jesus um, and his disciples, after a journey, they go to um, their friends, Mary and Martha's house. And um, in this story, they're sitting around, and Mary comes out with this vial of perfume, this really expensive perfume. And here's what happens. Um, John chapter 12, starting in verse 3, I'll read it. It says this, 
Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard, whatever that is, um, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who would betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii, that's a year's wage, and given to the poor? And he said this, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And Jesus said in verse 7, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. So Mary takes a treasure of hers, you know, expensive ointment, and she blesses Jesus. She blesses his feet. And Jesus praises her. And I think the principle we can learn from this is that sharing our treasure can lead to blessing other, it can lead to blessing others and honoring Jesus. So sharing our treasure can lead to blessing others and honoring Jesus. Sharing does lead to blessing. You know, in another part of the Gospels um, that tells this story in Matthew, um, it says that Jesus says this to Mary after she does this. He says, Truly I say to you, wherever the Gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So Jesus said, what you've done, people are never going to forget. And think about this. This happened 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about this today. Jesus blessed her. And, and, and I think, you know, this idea of sharing does lead to blessing. If you're a parent, you know, you want to get your kids to make sure they understand the principle of sharing um, because they need to know that, you know, they don't own everything. They need to share what they have because they become um, better humans um, as they share and more generous with others. And I think um, an opposite example of that is, uh, has anyone ever watched the, those Extreme Hoarders shows? Anyone ever watched those shows? You know, fascinating, fascinating stuff. We, me, me and my wife, we love to watch those shows. But as you're watching it, you're like, you're watching it, and I don't know if you've had the same experience as me. At first, you're shocked because you're like, oh my gosh, you know, because these people, they haven't thrown out things maybe in like 30 years. They've thrown out nothing, and so their house just becomes so full of filth. Um, and, you know, people have to clean up, and it takes days to clean out all the things in their house. And as you're watching it, you become very sad for these people because they, you start seeing that them hoarding their things has ruined their families, has ruined their helps, their livelihood, their jobs, but they, they view their stuff so much like people, they cannot be separated from it. It just, it hurts them so much, but it's destroying them. And I think that's the reality of sin. You know, if we don't, uh, I think the principle there is if we don't have control over our goods, if we, if we don't have, if we make sure we, we're not in control of those, our goods will own us. And so we need to know that, you know, you can't take your stuff with you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you can't take your things with you. We need to be open-handed with our things. And now this isn't, you know, promoting like a poverty gospel where you have to sell all your stuff and feel guilty about it, you know, but I think we need to be open-handed with the things we have and, and give it to God um, because ultimately we need to honor Jesus. And, you know, because that's the second point, honoring Jesus. And so Judas, you know, if you look at the story, he was selfish. He was, he was trying to say, oh man, he was trying to make Mary feel guilty, saying she should have given all this to the poor. Why would she waste it on you? Um, and listen, don't tell me you've never thought that. 
I've definitely thought that. I've, you know, been in houses with, you know, wealthy people's houses, or I've gone to churches that are, you know, big, and they have big expensive things, and I think, man, they spent their money on that? Man, they could have used that money to do this, do that, and I'm selfish. That's selfish. At the end of the day, we're all going to have to stand before God and give an account for our own spending. You know, we may be selfish about them, but we, you know, we'll spend our $7 on coffee at Starbucks. You know, I mean, like, everything is, uh, it's a perception. And so we need to be aware of our hearts and, and be generous with the things that God has given us. Um, and our treasure should ultimately honor Jesus. So whatever we use our treasure for, we need to honor Jesus. And so if it's giving to friends, if it's inviting people over our house, if it's um, lending cars to people, if it, whatever it is, we need to be generous. And a great story and a great example of this comes from the movie, um, I don't know if anyone has a, is a fan of Les Mis, the movie Les Mis, anyone like that movie? A couple of you? All right. Um, we're going to watch it. Well, hopefully you like this scene. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you will. Uh, we're going to watch this scene from Les Mis, um, and I'll explain it before we play it. Um, it's from the... Uh, uh, it's from the Liam Neeson one, not the Wolverine one. Um, but, uh, but uh, sorry. Uh, but anyways, this scene, uh, Liam Neeson, he plays Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean, he is a man who recently was released from prison. He was in prison for many years. And so he's a criminal and he has this burden, this hate in his life. And so this bishop runs into him while he's walking around the, on the road. And he says, hey, why don't you come over my house? You'll stay. I'll get you a hot meal. Um, and you can stay the night before you get going. And over that night, Jean Valjean, he beats up the bishop and steals his expensive silverware, and he goes on his journey. And so we're going to pick up the scene when Jean Valjean is caught by the police and he's brought back to the bishop, and we'll see what happens. So go ahead and play that. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, thank and God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother. You no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. 
Man, I just, I just love that scene. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think, I think when I look at that scene, um, I'm really challenged by that scene because um, I, I keep thinking, man, if I was in the bishop's shoes, I don't think I would have done that. You know, I think I would have wanted justice. I think I would have wanted um, to get my stuff back, um, and I would have been like, oh man, good, he's going to prison. You know, it's all done. You know. Um, but I am really challenged by that because that bishop showed true love. He showed God's love to this guy. Um, and I think, like, he knew that, man, if John Valjean's in pri- prison, you know, that's not what's going to change him. Only the love of Christ will actually change him. And so with our stuff, we need to know that ultimately what's more important is the souls of people, not our stuff. You know, Jesus even says in... Um, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, he says this, uh, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break into steel, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break into steel, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to lay up our treasures in heaven because like I said, you can't take, we can't take our stuff with us. And we need to be open and generous with our things um, and, and trusting that we can honor, as we honor Jesus, he's going to bless us. Um, and so as we close today, guys, listen, the greatest treasure is the gospel. Here's what also stands out to me about that story. Um, when I look at my life, I'm Jean Valjean. You're Jean Valjean. We're criminals. Like we've, we've done things because of sin. We've helped, clung to fear and anger. But Jesus, in his love for us, is like the bishop. He gave his life. He gave his time, talent, and treasure so that we could be set free from the sin and bondage that holds us down. And by trusting in him, we can accept his gift. Because we didn't deserve it. Jean Valjean didn't deserve it. We don't deserve this grace either, but he gives it freely. And so by accepting it, we can be set free as well. And you can be set free too. And if you want to talk more about that with someone, I encourage you to do that as well. And so because of Jesus, because of Jesus giving his time, talent, treasure, we can be motivated as well to do that as well because we can trust that he'll give us the energy and the strength to do that. And so guys, in our worship, maybe you need to, you know, during this time of worship, maybe it's a time for you to reflect and seek God's direction on what you can do to be open-handed and be generous um, with your time talent, your treasure. And so as we close this series, remember um, that where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God loves you, and God wants to use you in a mighty way. And so with that, guys, as the band comes up, I'll pray, and we'll um, close out our day. So God, we thank you.